FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Kingdom, our brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. Uh, we're working on a new book, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions. Uh, we would be done by now, except for the fact that we have been uh, delayed and distracted by uh, some projects or people that really do not have a good vision of the kingdom. Uh, and there are a number of pitfalls when you go to look for, seek that kingdom of God and his righteousness that people are constantly falling into. And it is a pharisaical approach. It is a controlling approach. Approach. It creates certain things that you have to do or you're considered not in the kingdom. And it creates certain things that they require you do for them to say that you are in a ki- the kingdom. And they, they love to identify themselves as in the kingdom just because they meet certain criteria of separating themselves from the world. And that, it, that just doesn't uh, fit. There's talk in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, about the same problem, where people lead other people astray. They actually cause them to separate. They cause them to go out even into the wilderness. And they get them into a lot of trouble because they're creating doctrine from the outside and placing it on other people. And these doctrines can be very innocent. Now, if we were to talk about the Pharisees, everybody would draw a certain picture in their minds of what the Pharisees are. We have some pictures uh, of uh, drawn back at the turn of the last century uh, that uh, are in the book, Thy Kingdom Come. And it shows all the Pharisees around Christ, and Christ has this you know, glowing countenance, and uh, uh, the Pharisees all look kind of mischievous and angry, you know. And the fact is is that bad guys don't always look angry and wear black hats and uh, carry around uh, 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 things that label them as the bad guys. As a matter of fact, most bad guys are just the same as you or I. Uh, they are complex creatures that have some good intent and some bad intent. As a matter of fact, some of the worst things that have been done in history have been done with good by good men with bad ideas. And it sometimes takes a little while to look for that fruit. And I'm one of these guys that always gives everybody the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm too trusty. And uh, we've been uh, talking about this for some time is that uh, we want to believe the best of people. We want to give them the benefit of the doubt. We want to think that, well, maybe they just don't understand certain things now, but they're on their way. They're seeking the kingdom. And they may be, but there are often roadblocks where you go along and eventually you find where somebody is doing something they should not be doing or they're doing something in a way in which they should not do it. And you bring it to their attention, and they just will not see it. And they will give their word that they will do something, and they won't keep their word. And the first thing you see them pull up out of their hat, their magic hat, is, oh, I cannot do that because that would be a violation of the doctrines of entering the kingdom. And that is just simply not the way it works. Uh, If you promise to do something, you have to do it. Now, when Jesus was told uh, they tried to trap him, 
with the question about paying the tax to Caesar because tax is a service. It is a way to bow down and serve others. When you pay a tax, you're serving others. And you may owe that tax because you have bowed down and made an agreement to pay that tax. And so, therefore, Jesus answered this trick question with, uh, if you owe the tax, pay the tax. And he held up a coin. He said, whose picture is on it? Well, whose picture is on, say, United States coins? Whose picture is on those coins? Well, the fact is, the pictures on those coins are all dead people. There aren't, it is against the law to put a live person picture on the coins of the United States. And the reason why is the coinage of the United States originally didn't operate the way it does today. The way the Roman coin worked was those were actually coins that belonged to the emperor, and he loaned them into circulation by doing things like building roads, building um, uh, aqueducts, building uh, different uh, projects in uh, the extensive commercial operation of Rome, a municipality. And he loaned that money out. He expected it to be paid back with interest and in a like kind. Well, of course, if you print up a million coins and, or, you know, mint a million coins and you, you loan them into circulation and you have to pay back one million, uh, ten, uh, one million one hundred thousand coins, um, that is going to be a trick because there's only a million in circulation to begin with. <laughs> Uh, but they will take other coins, other than the Roman coin, but they charge a premium because this isn't one of ours. It's going to cost you a little bit more gold because we don't know really how pure this gold is. We know our coin, but we don't know your coin. So they would charge a premium, and these this is what money changers did, and money changers were simply bankers. They had access to funds, and they would take... Uh, you know, Judaic coins, uh, Sumerian coins, whatever, and they would give you a Roman coin so you could pay the tax. And they didn't give you a really honest deal. They 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 charged you a little extra. And and this was because it was a lot of counterfeiting going on. There was recently I heard a story that uh, some African country. And I may not have this exactly right. I didn't get this firsthand, but this is the kind of story we'll use it as kind of a, a parable here. Uh, owed a bunch of money to China, uh, and they had to pay it in gold, and so they made this huge giant ingot of gold, and uh, they shipped that. And, that, and, of course, it was this big ingot because it, nobody's going to be stealing it because it's a big, solid chunk. <laughs> and uh, they sent it to China to pay this debt. China, being the inscrutable Chinese, drilled it. They drilled it to the core to see, is this really all gold? And, of course, it was not. <laughs> it was something else inside. And uh, and somebody was in a whole lot of trouble. But uh, uh, that kind of uh, deception was going on in the World Bank at the time of Christ, or around the time of Christ. Right, Not right at, it's actually a little bit later this particular crime was taking place. But it was in the temple at Ephesus, uh, because the temple at Ephesus was the World Bank of its day. And we cover this in the book, Thy Kingdom Comes, and we explain it in great detail. It's on the website, uh, how that temple operated. It, it received investments, and it redistributed them by financing different things that would bring back revenue. And people were making money. And this is the way many of the temples, like the Temple of Janus and uh, the other temples in Rome, operated. There was a certain amount of charity within these temples, because they should be, because they were very wealthy places. They made lots and lots of money. If you were going to go on an enterprise to mine in Spain a mountain full of gold, you would have to have a lot of resources to go all the way up there with enough men and manpower and supplies to hire local laborers to mine this mountain of gold. 
And so they would invest. Everybody would invest some money. Some people would actually invest their time. They would take shares like you do when you get on ships. Still, people don't realize how this works. You go fishing in North uh, Atlantic on a fishing boat, you know, cod fishing or where, wherever you are fishing, crab fishing. Uh, you go on that boat for shares, a percentage of what the boat makes. Now, that's great, but the guy is going to give you fuel, he's going to give you food, and he's going to give you the ship itself. That's his investment. And the men who are on the boat, their time, their energy is their investment. Now, they're risking their lives getting on those ships. I, I can tell you stories that would curl your hair about men on ships in the North Atlantic fishing. Uh, unbelievable heroism. Uh, by men facing the elements of the sea, which are unmerciful and sometimes very unjust. Uh, but they face them, and they face them together, and they take great risks uh, to go out and provide you with fish. Uh, they actually don't really care whether you have fish or not. They're out there providing for their families. And uh, that's the commercial aspect of it but they're out there often on shares not a guaranteed wage or salary the more crab they get the more fish they bring uh, on uh, board the more money they all will make and everybody's pooling their e efforts together i think there's a area in spain called mundo dragon and they have like 170 different cooperative corporations cooperative corporations knows the stockholders are the people on the assembly lines working in the plants they have invested their own money and their own lives in these plants and it's one of the most successful areas of spain and the reason why is because when they went to the banks the banks would not loan them money uh, they were so poor in that area nobody would help them out and so they began to invest in one another and now it is one of the most financially prosperous and stable economies in uh, that whole area. And actually, it's uh, compared to many of the areas in Europe, they're doing excellently well. The difference between the highest paid and the lowest paid is a fraction of what you find in regular corporations. Because the people actually, and were forced to do so by circumstance, actually came together and started to work together as a people. Now, what's happened in the United States is they be have become a gigantic collective. Uh, that's right. The United States is a gigantic communist collective. It is not a uh, even a. Uh, it was not what you're seeing in the United States is not a republic. There is a republic. It's completely neglected and abandoned. There are no citizens in it. All the citizens are the citizens of the United States. And the United States is an indirect democracy. Uh, that's just, I mean, people read the, the, the Constitution, they, they talk about their republic as if the Constitution created a republic, but they don't know what they're talking about, and this is one of the great deceptions. The Constitution created an indirect democracy within the republic, and if you don't believe that, read the American Creed. The fact is, it's not a republic, it's an indirect democracy. That's why you're not electing merely representatives, but you're electing lawmakers. And you have elected over the last 100 years to give those lawmakers more and more power because you have been praying to those lawmakers to guarantee your social security at the expense of your neighbor. And so, therefore, your neighbor now, being in the majority, always your neighbors are in the majority because you're only one, uh, your neighbors have voted in uh, social welfare programs that are bankrupting you. They have uh, voted and given away their right to their labor by uh, application and participation. So now they must serve their, uh, according to whatever the legislature says they must serve. And you already see the divergence coming with uh, new medical uh, bills being passed to force people to comply and be members of a uh, medical type insurance, it's not really insurance, uh, system in this collective. Uh, but the leaders don't have to be a part of it. They can be separate. And, of course, people are out there 
campaigning to make them a part of it with their bills, but most people don't care because for the last 50 to 100 years, society doesn't care about anything but their benefits. They don't care about their neighbor. Oh, they go to church and sing their songs and praise Jesus, but they don't even know Jesus. And this is exactly what happened with the Pharisees. They didn't know Moses. They didn't know the government that Moses was setting up. They had created all kinds of mindless religious uh, rules and regulations, uh, washing pots and washing hands and all these things, which, of course, are in the Old Testament, but they are metaphor of washing up each other and purifying each other by rebuking one another. Now, it absolutely amazes me that people who say that they're seeking a kingdom and that they're, you know, this rugged individual or they're this uh, uh, blessed missionary going out to help other people, if you point out a fault of theirs, an error, you know, something they're lacking in doing, uh, something that needs to be attended to, suddenly they become defensive. How dare you? And, you know, it's an amazing thing. I don't know who all is listening out there in the radio land, but it is, you know, I've written about this over and over again in small groups and, and some of our groups on the net, is that as soon as uh, someone begins to accuse you, now, you may be at fault for what they're accusing you, and you should, and if you're really a Christian, you will take a good, quiet, hard look at what they're accusing you of. But you'll find often that what people accuse you of is exactly what they themselves are doing. It's, it, I don't really understand the phenomena. I've watched it time and time again. Uh, it's just like God to build that into the system of creation. <laughs> that people, well, you know, we've seen the the uh, talk of this in the past where people says, you know, when he who cries thief is the first suspect. Uh, and, of course, that's, that's uh, not necessarily true. Somebody may be crying thief because he actually saw you stealing <laughs> or noticed that somebody stole. But the reality is is that that's what a thief is the first one to suspect that somebody stole something is because he sees it missing. He thinks somebody must have stole it. He doesn't think... Maybe I misplaced it. Now, see, I'm constantly thinking, what did I do with it? Uh, did I did I lose that? And that's just the, the way I do things. And I, I'm not. I don't. I don't always do that. Uh, I'm sure, but I commonly do that. I suspect. Now, what did I do wrong? And I'm constantly reflecting on what I have done wrong. And that's how I've come to so many conclusions that are different than everybody else. I was raised with the same conclusions and same philosophies and ideas that everybody else was raised with, and now I'm out here all alone as a voice crying in the wilderness saying, hey, there's something else going on here. Well, the only reason I got to that was I was willing to look at the fact that I had believed a lie and was willing to know the whole truth. And this is what you have to do. If you're going to seek the kingdom, you have to seek the whole truth. And the first truth you need to seek is about yourself. If you're doing something that is negligent on a regular basis or doing it before other people, uh, and they point it out, you should immediately look at that and examine that and see is that true. But they also need to be able to show you proof. Now, I've been accused from the beginning when I first started going public with these things that I've discovered you know immediately people are going to try to find fault with what you're doing and in truth sometimes they're right and I have reformulated my thinking or my actions accordingly and said you know that's right I do that one of the things I do is I'm too trusty <laughs> I break my own rules because I trust other people to keep their word you know, somebody said, well, you know, somebody wanted me to uh, agree to a particular document that they wrote up. And I I was going to agree to it uh, because I thought that they really meant what they wrote in it. I mean, they wrote it. It was their idea. They put it all together. 
and uh, I was going to agree to it and take on a responsibility uh, for them on their behalf uh, to do the work of Christ. And I was absolutely willing to do that. And I, I said, yeah, I'll sign to do that and make the agreement. And the reason we sign is to make a clear evidence because we're dealing with something of value here and uh, we need to make a record that, you know, we are taking on this responsibility. And somebody else has to recognize that, so we need to give them evidence that one who has a right to give up control over something and one who has is taking on the responsibility of controlling that thing are in agreement. So they sign on a piece of paper, but the individual didn't want to do it before witnesses. That's a that's not a good idea. I said that's not a good idea. This might not work. And this well, they said they would supply something that would. And then when it came to doing that, because it didn't work exactly as I predicted, they balked and they said, "Oh, I can't do what I did when I was with you. I can't do that anymore. I can't actually." Uh, provide you with what I provided you then but before witnesses uh, because of my religious conviction. Well, where were your religious convictions when you did it the first time without witnesses? Uh, Christ says, uh, Moses says, establish all things with witnesses. We were straying from the formula and I kick myself for being so foolish as to stray from the formula. And I also have learned the lesson not to trust that individual. And I can't do anything about it. Now, they don't like it if I say that. And almost nobody knows who I'm talking about. But the reality is that's very important to see that if you give your word that you're going to do something, that you do it. You're betraying, you know, Christ, when, uh, when Peter said, Yes, my master pays the tax. They were asking, does your master pay the tax? Yes, my master pays the tax. And his master takes him aside and says, Peter, what have you said? Why did you say that? You know, what, who pays the tax? And he says, but you said it. Now, Peter was wrong. And people are always quoting, but Jesus said to, you know, pay taxes. No, Jesus didn't pay the tax. As a matter of fact, when Peter said that he paid the tax, he took Peter aside and said, Hey, what what are you saying? You know, that this is wrong. But you said it, so we're going to make it so. And so he sends him down to the water, and he, he gets this fish, and he looks in the mouth, and the, there's the two coins he needs. He didn't have to go to the bank and get the special two coins to pay the tax. And he comes back, and he goes to give them to Jesus. Jesus doesn't even touch him. Yeah, you you said it. You pay it. You give it to him. And so he goes and gives it to him. So Jesus didn't pay the tax. Peter paid the tax, and he paid one tax for himself for saying that his master paid the tax, and he paid the other tax for his master because he said that his master paid the tax. He said it, and he had to make his yes, yes. He didn't owe the tax, but he paid it because he said he would. That's kingdom stuff. You say you will do something. You have to do it. Now, why is this so important? Because people are saying they will do stuff, and they they don't know what they're saying. M my father was an attorney, and uh, growing up, you know, you'd ask, you know, can we go swimming on this day, or can we do this on that day? You know, we're little kids. And, uh, and uh, my dad would never agree to promise that we would do that. He says, we'll see. And and he would say, I never promise. <laughs> and he, because he knew that if he promised, he would have to do it. If he said he would, he would have to do it or get exemption from us. Well, sons, uh, I said we were going to go and I, 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 I'm sick. Can, can we do it another day? And we would say, okay, Dad, we can do it another day. Then you'd be off the hook. <laughs> We'll talk more about this when we return to Keys of the Kingdom.
Hear it first on FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Since the beginning of time, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, it has been traded, it has been borrowed, it has been purchased, it has been stolen, there's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar's. Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? You are listening to the Worldwide First Amendment Radio Network. We do not have freedom of speech because the Constitution gives it to us. The Constitutional Amendment was written to keep the government from taking our freedom away. The Creator gave us our rights, but He also gives us the capacity to do evil or usurp the rights of others. Our individual rights end where the rights of another begin. No one has the right to do evil because evil can never be right. Those who would seek to limit your right to speak or hear the truth are the same who seek to subjugate, control, and enslave you. Freedom is not free. Support the Worldwide First Amendment Radio Network by going to FirstAmendmentRadio.com on the Internet and following the instructions there to support us. Thank you for listening. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, last week I told you that we were hoping to have this set up so that we could have talk shows here uh, out here in the wilderness, uh, we we can't do it the way most of the guys do it, so we bought the equipment to do it. But we needed more connectors, XLR, two quarter inch uh, tri tip connectors, whatever all those things mean. Uh, and we needed male and female XLRs. All confusing to me at first, but now I'm beginning to learn how it works. Uh, and we had to order more of those things, and everybody was out of stock. So we another week goes by before we can go to the talk show. Uh, when we do go to the talk show, we'll we'll have a few dry runs, and then we'll start promoting the radio show uh, on a regular basis uh, on the extensive Kingdom News list, which everybody should be on. Uh, the Kingdom News list, you sign up for that on the web. Everybody should also sign up for the network, uh, the Living Network, uh, putting people in contact with one another. Uh, we now have three contact ministers in the Oregon group, uh, we have about five in the Texas group. We have only one in the Colorado group, but we have a guy who's uh, been nominated by one person. You have to be elected by two. Uh, these are not positions of power. These are positions of service because that's what the kingdom is all about. Uh, when you become a contact minister, you will get additional information that other people do not get. When you elect a contact minister, you will be put on the Living Network newsletter and you will get other information that people do not get. And we will share things with you more readily because you have taken the time to become a part of the network. Everything we have, we give away for free. Uh, if you want to buy paper, hard-covered books, they, they'll cost you something. 
We have uh, more audios going up on the Kingdom Network. We have a number, we have a 15-hour audio uh, that goes with the book, The Covenants of the Gods. Uh, we have uh, numerous other audios on Romans 13. Uh, we have a new book, Higher Liberty, on Romans 13, but that only goes to people who join the network and pick a contact minister. <laughs> One of those things that, uh, uh, a dangling carrot of truth. But that's the way Christ worked. He he didn't tell everybody everything. And the apostles even questioned him on it. Why, why do you only speak to them in parables? Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries, the secrets, the... Uh, inside information of the kingdom of heaven but is not given unto them and we're operating pretty much the same way we should, that you can go and and read on the net uh historical references footnotes uh, i made a vague reference to the fact that ephesus was the world bank and of course that's what the apostles were running into trouble with ephesus these aren't guys just running around in sandals you know preaching jesus saves they were actually part of a republic referred to as a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire with the union and discipline amongst their people, but it was all grassroots. There was nobody who could exercise authority one over the other. It was a true and pure republic, and uh, it was a government. And the ministers were supported by the contributions of the people, and the welfare was supported by the contributions of the people. And in order to do this, you had to decentralize the benefits of government into the hands of the individual, but it only works with individuals who exercise responsibility. This mystery kingdom, this amazing uh, kingdom of God, as preached by Christ and John the Baptist and truly preached also by Moses and Abraham, if we knew the true story instead of asking the Pharisees what the Old Testament meant, uh, is the way to cut the Gordian knot of your own captivity. The Gordian knot was a knot you could not untie. And uh, Alexander the Great, anybody could try to untie it. If they could untie it, they would get to uh, rule the uh, army. And uh, Alexander the Great just pulled out a sword and cut the dang knot in half. And, uh, And became master of that army. But Christ came with a sword also to cut a division. And most preachers are not teaching that how that works. That's why most churches have brought all their people back into the bondage of Egypt. That's why you now do have to bow down and serve Caesar. That is why the leaders you elect can come and take your sons and daughters and uh, make your sons run before their chariots and put them in harm's way. we got tens of thousands of soldiers dying of Gulf War Syndrome uh, and uh, affected by the radiation from the uh, uh, depleted uranium that they're exposed to all the time. Uh, Horrible, horrible, agonizing deaths of these men. And uh, the news media just goes on, business as usual. Uh, Doesn't even address it hardly. You know, it's a story for a while, but oh, nobody wants to hear that anymore because it's pointing a finger at us. I don't mind if you point a finger at me, but just come with facts. I don't mind it. I think it's good. I want to hear what you have to say. That's why we're going to talk radio. Uh, I'm not afraid of people pointing out, hey, you did this wrong or you did that wrong. But if you're going to say I did something wrong, you better show you better have evidence to back it up. Another thing that people have done is they love ex parte hearings. They love to get together with quote unquote brothers by somebody in absentia. They discuss amongst themselves until they have this individual, well, we can see that you're doing things wrong. What thing? Uh, the brothers have decided that you're doing things wrong. Uh, brothers you know have decided that you're doing things wrong. But they... They've done all this on their own. You don't really want to be in a government with those kinds of people, those kinds of people that would try you and you're not there. Uh, You say, well, you know, don't I get to face my accusers? 
uh, you know, it's really easy to win an argument when you're all alone or just with buddies who also agree with your particular position. But when you actually have to face one another and say, hey, oh, what, what about this? Oh, well, we never thought about that. Well, of course, because you only thought about what you believe. You see, we create these doctrines in our minds, and sometimes we write them on paper, and then we worship our own doctrines. You see, this is the problem of living in your imagination, imagining that you're in the kingdom because you've thrown out uh, documents that from the world. I've separated from the world, so I'm therefore in the kingdom. John the Baptist was separate from the world. John the Baptist lived in the wilderness, had lived there since he was a small boy, had to flee there because they wanted to kill him. What... What, what he, was he in the kingdom? Jesus said, Amongst men born of woman, there is no better than John the Baptist. That guy had to have been good. I mean, we have, he's one of the most misunderstood characters in the Bible. And Hollywood has contributed to this <laughs> to a great degree. I mean, they always have uh, somebody portraying, uh, you know, Charles Heston's done it, other actors have done it. And they sit there, and they're screaming and yelling and going around uh, as this, you know, passionate fanatic uh, in the wilderness. Well, that's all interpretation. Uh, that's not in the text. I'm sorry. I can't find that. It, chances are he was not like that at all. Now, of course, I have an impression of what I believe it was like based on a great deal of understanding of of the people that he grew up with and how they operated, of the language, uh, what he's saying. You, you, you can't just translate these things into English and then think you know what was going on at a particular time in history. Uh, because that's not the way it works. You have to study that history. You have to study that time. And what we've had for the last 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, is the church trying to draw a picture of Christ that allows them to bring you into bondage. And they have succeeded. They have succeeded. You are now in bondage. Terrible bondage. The worst bondage than Egypt. You would be better off living in Egypt today. Oh, you're comfortable here, but you're in debt up to your ears. And the chapter we, I just finished this morning, I actually was going to mail it off, but it just ran out of time before the radio show started. Uh, that chapter... Uh, in the contracts, covenants, and constitutions goes into this. How we have betrayed Christ. Most churches preach against Christ. They preach in favor of his name, but they preach against who he was and what he was doing and what he was saying. Now, that's a pretty harsh statement on my part. I better come to the table with facts if I'm going to make those kinds of accusations. And that, of course, is what I'm doing by writing the book Contracts, Covenants, and Constitution. And that, of course, is the same with Romans 13. Let every man remain subject to the higher liberty. That's the reverse of what they've been telling you. That's the antithesis. I'm turning their world upside down. That's pretty bold of me. Pretty bold. I better come with some facts. And that's why I wrote the book Higher Liberty. There's the facts. I had one fellow picked up that book. I love the guy. Picks up that book and he says, oh, this is not strong enough. Actually, he didn't pick up that book. He picked up the pamphlet, the original pamphlet. This is not strong enough. And I guess he was right because I wrote a book now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, he intimated that he would fix it. He would make it stronger. Where is that fruit? Where is the fruit of that? It didn't come. We're supposed to judge one another by our fruits. Now, that doesn't take away any of the love I may have for that individual, but you've got to bear fruit. You've got to actually do the work and be the kingdom. Don't tell me you're in the kingdom. Show me that you are the kingdom, that you are doing the work of the kingdom. If you're not going to honor your own words... If you're not going to say, you know, I, I, I signed that, I should have done it, I've changed my mind now, okay. But then you also have to be in the position to change the mind of the person who signed it. 
if you signed it and then said that you da 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 da, then you can't go back and say, well, now I'm just going to change that. You have to get permission, permissio, to change what you said you would do. That requires humility, real humility, not sing-songy humility. You have to really come and say, you know, I, I was hasty. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't mean that. I don't want to give up control. I want to still have control. And I, I don't want to represent to anybody that I don't want to have control when I really do, because that would be a lie, and that would be contrary to the ways of Christ. But they don't want to do that. They want to jump around. And so I cornered them with facts. You said this. You said that. Oh, and they refer to it that I hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered. <laughs> I did all this hammering with emails. Boy, that's, a, that's another thing. You know, if somebody brings up an accusation, well, whoever they're accusing is the best person to come to that person's defense because they have first-hand knowledge about who they are and what they are and what they believe. And so they should be willing to face their accusers. So you should create a forum in which they can face their accusers, you know, all come into the same room or, or have testimony before each other so that they can, they can hear everything their accusers have to say and then they can come back with evidence to the contrary. That's that's the way you do it. It's, it's, you can call it a court. You can call it a hearing. You can call it whatever you want. A meeting of the village. And everybody sits down and they hash it out. And nobody leaves until they resolve the issue. Because they care about the village. And that's what real men do. They face one another. Honestly. Openly. And say, this is what I see. And somebody says, I don't see that, I see this. And then you say, well, what's the facts? What's, what really happened? And people come forward who actually are witnesses, and they say, this is what happened. And they put it down where everybody can see. And then you find out, well, somebody says, this is what happened, and somebody else says, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And then suddenly you'll see the guy who didn't really remember things correctly faltering and saying, oh, my goodness. Uh, well, you know, actually, you're right. It happened more like that, but also like this, you know. And you face one another. You don't start out facing one another and then run off. You don't go behind the scenes and try and then come back with a conclusion that you're wrong. And I say, oh, I'm wrong? Where am I wrong? Oh, we decided. Oh, you decided. Well, how did you decide? Based on what? Oh, well, we got together with men you know, and we decided. What is that? Oh, people, you want to be the kingdom, which is a government. You have to have the character of a government. And the character of your government has to let everybody face their accuser and defend themselves. And it's your job to make sure they have that opportunity. But people don't even do that. You see, what's happened is most of the people who want out of the system and hear about the kingdom and want to enter into the kingdom because somehow or other that's separate from the systems of the world, they want to be free. They don't really love the liberty of Christ because they don't love the responsibility of self-government. And the self-responsibility of self-government means you have to care about other people's rights as much as you care about your own. If people do not have that written in their heart and in their mind, they do not know the kingdom. They can be as soft-spoken and as pleasing and as kind and as, as generous, but uh, we know that all kinds of people will come to Christ and say, look at these great things we've done, these wonderful things we've done. Look at all this we have done in your name. And he'll say, get ye from me, I know you not. Now, that's harsh. People are not going to like me to say that about them. And I'll say it about a lot of people I know. And I'll say it to them. And I have said it to them, and they've gotten mad at me. <laughs> but they walked away. I didn't walk away. You know, like I said, I've been accused. 
I've been accused of being overbearing and meddling. And I back the guy in the corner, okay, where? Show me where. You've known me all these years. If I'm overbearing and meddling, you should be able to show where I'm overbearing and meddling. Being a strong personality is not being overbearing. It's just being a strong personality. Standing up and speaking my mind is not being meddling or overbearing. Sending an email is not being <laughs> meddling or overbearing. It's speaking your mind. We all There's freedom of speech in the kingdom of heaven. Finally, he admits to a lot less people than he originally stated it that he just said that to get my attention. Well, he had my attention, so that's still... I could back him into the corner on that as well. But the reality is uh, people are always going to be accusing you of what they really are doing themselves or just trying to accuse you to bring you down off the pedestal they put you on to begin with. That is a pet peeve of mine, the pedestal pushers. And it's a, it's a natural tendency in mankind to put somebody up on a pedestal. And it's, it's not according to his true nature. It's according to his fallen nature. So when I say natural tendency, I'm not saying it's right, it's wrong. But people do that. And people have been doing it to me for a long time. When I first went out to speak, when I wrote Covenants of the Gods, and, and people were calling me up and ha- wanting me to go here and paying me money, willing to pay me money anyway, to come and speak here and there. Uh, I'd gone on a few of these, didn't get paid very much, uh, but then it actually was making me physically ill. And I thought, oh, what is that? Again, that reflection. Why is it making me sick when I go to these places and everybody wants to hear what I have to say? And I realized that they were putting me on a pedestal. And I was letting them do that. And it was making me ill because it's not really in me to want to be on that pedestal. It's a very unsafe place, very unstable place to be when they want to put you on a pedestal. If they put you up there, they can knock you down. And then all of a sudden when they knock you down, you'll feel drained and exhausted. and You know, the spirit has gone out of you because the reason you were up there is the wrong spirit to begin with. And you don't want that. And so pedestal pushers have, I have no interest in them. I'm not going up on that pedestal. And you know what happens? They start resenting you. Because if they put you up on a pedestal, they want you to put them up on a pedestal right next to you. And then they start talking about things like equality. You know, you have to treat me as equal. I put you on a pedestal, you have to put me on a pedestal. No, I have to tell you the truth. That's equals. I have to let you tell me what you think, and you have to let me tell you what I think. And if you go to other brothers and you talk to them, you have to include me in the conversation. Otherwise, you're a backbiter and a gossiper, and I'm not supposed to have anything to do with you. Now, we'll talk about some of these issues with the people right here, but I almost never talk about anything about other people unless I also talk directly to them about these things. You know, I have people that I bounce things off of and talk to about these things in order to get their feedback. Uh, But the fact is, is I am absolutely willing to take, you know, my position, what I believe, and hear what you have to say in open forum, which is why we're going to a talk show. Now, we're already on Talk Shoe, and all those who are part of the Living Network have joined the network will know uh, or should know if their contact ministers haven't informed them, then they need to pick different contact ministers as to when ties where you can voice your own questions and challenge us and challenge me. Uh, but you're, you're going to need to uh, actually do that yourself. I'm not going to bring everything to your doorstep. I'm not going to put together your congregations. I'm not going to establish your local networks. You're going to have to do that. And those who will not do that will be left behind. We don't do the no man will left behind. We know many men will be left behind because they haven't stood up. They haven't sought the kingdom. 
We have stuff hidden on our website. You can find it, but you got to look. We're not going to put everything, you know, in a drop-down menu and set it in your lap. You're going to have to actually seek and find. One of the biggest things that we need to seek right now is the lost sheep. Those people who do not know uh, about the kingdom and how it works. And don't trust anybody who tells you, comes and tells you that they're in the kingdom. And be suspicious of everybody who says they're an ambassador to Christ. Uh, you know, over the years I've learned never to trust a man who has a fish on his business checks. <laughs> because those are the ones that most often tried to do us dirt back when we were out in the commercial world. Uh, that's not a guarantee. We don't want to label everybody. They label themselves, but be suspicious. Be cautious. Don't be too trusting. Make sure that you adhere to the basic principles. Be careful what you say you're going to do. Everybody isn't as forgiving as me. You know, and we'll let you back out of your agreements. Be careful of people who say you just rescind your contracts and then suddenly you're free. Be careful of people who say that you can void your contracts because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not come to die so that you would have a get-out-of-jail card for free. You have to actually repent and seek the kingdom of heaven and the righteousness of God in everything that you do. That means that if you say, I will do this, you have to do it. Or get permissio not to do it from those you said you would do it for. You bind yourselves with the words of your mouth. And if the words of your mouth say you will do this or that or the other thing, then you need to do it. And, and then, you know, claims like, oh, well, you don't remember. Well, actually, we do remember. You'd be surprised how well we remember. <laughs> so people, you know, uh, that's why I do a lot of discussion with emails, because people don't remember. And they, they actually are afraid to send me emails now because of the fact that I go back and say, well, you said this. And, you know, and they want to say, oh, no, we never said that. Well, here's the email. Here's where you said it. And they, oh, I'm tricky. I'm slippery. No, you're not paying attention to what you say. And it's very important that we do because it's the words of our mouth that condemn us. And we are saved because we repent and do what Christ said. Till we see each other again, may peace be upon your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.